Hello, and welcome to the Parunity Podcast. It's a time to celebrate here for us. Not only did we have our first birthday on Saturday, but we are now listened to in over 17 different countries worldwide. Thanks to all of our followers all over the world, and thanks for all the birthday wishes you sent us. Speaking of birthdays, birthdays over the years have always come with certain expectations. Cakes are one of those expectations, as well as decorations. The other expectation is presents. Brightly wrapped and full of surprises, boxes full of physical objects that quickly turned into our most cherished possessions. But what happens if those gifts had a mind of their own? Moving, blinking, talking, or even flashing without your interactions. What about the sweet garage sale or Facebook marketplace find that you get at an amazing price? What happens when your purchase is placed in your house and all of a sudden paranormal events start to ramp up around that purchase? You have heard of haunted houses and even possessed people, but can everyday inanimate objects like furniture, stuffed animals, clocks, paintings, or even toys also be haunted? If you think about it, Spirits can attach themselves to houses, hospitals, or other buildings or institutions. They can even attach themselves to battlefield sites. So can we really rule out the idea that they can also attach themselves to objects? A house or buildings are thought to be haunted because a place was either important to the person in life, or they suffered some great loss or tragedy there and cannot let it go. The same concept works for possessions to which a person was emotionally attached to in life. It continues in death. There have been many claims and cases in which people say that items they have either bought, found, or inherited that might be possessed or haunted. One of the most popular haunted objects in our culture would be that of a haunted doll. The earliest report of a haunted doll goes back to ancient Egypt where the enemies of Ramses III attempted to use wax images of his likeness to bring about his death. The dolls used in this ritual were said to be living, and would curse anyone who bore their resemblance. These haunted dolls were poppets, effigies, and voodoo objects, which were created by early people for either religious or ceremonial purposes. These traditional objects were later acquired by various civilizations for mystical purposes or the occult. In Rome, dolls were used quite often in magical rituals to represent a connection with a god or goddess. Egyptian priests and magicians often use puppets for ceremonial purposes, to free the body of evil or to place curses on those who went against the will of the gods. According to Wiccan beliefs, puppets have been used to place curses on members of a community for religious or traditional purposes. Some of the earliest effigies were used by African, Native American, and European cultures. The European puppet has its roots in early Germanic and Scandinavian tribes, who use them for their ceremonial purposes. Modern-day Wiccans have adapted the practice for their own use. Most Wiccans believe a poppet is a symbolic representation of a person, and spells and other actions are performed on this poppet to transfer whatever might be affecting the targeted individual from their body into something like a healing ritual. The Congolese Kiski statuettes and the Bochio figurines used in the Vodun traditions of Benin and Togo are traditional effigy-like dolls of West and Central Africa believed by their practitioners to be spirit-embodying forces that can also heal and protect. Voodoo dolls 
are very well known, but not connected in the way you might think. The term voodoo doll is commonly employed to describe an effigy in which pins are inserted. Although it comes in various different forms, such practices are found in the magical traditions of many cultures across the world. Although the use of the term voodoo implies that the practice has links to either the religion of the Haitian voodoo or Louisiana voodoo, in reality, it does not have a prominent place in either place. The form of the voodoo doll as is most commonly understood is based on a magical practice that historically derived from Europe rather than from Africa or the Americas. Textual records attest to the fact that certain cunning folk in Britain made dolls from a witch out of the rags from her clothes and other materials and then pierced them with pins with the intention of inflicting physical harm on that witch and breaking the bewitchment. By the early 21st century, the image of the voodoo doll had become particularly pervasive. It has become a novelty item available for purchase, with examples being provided in vending machines in the British shopping centers and in the United States malls. And an article on how to make a voodoo doll is now being included on WikiHow. A voodoo doll is also included in the 2009 animated Disney movie The Princess and the Frog. Speaking of haunted dolls and pop culture, we would be remiss if we did not mention the two biggest known dolls in society, Annabelle and Robert. Dolls like Robert and Annabelle have been inspirations to movies. Child's Play, a movie produced and released in 1988, follows a killer doll named Chucky and was inspired by the story of Robert the Doll. The popularity of this first movie led way to Child's Play 2 and Child's Play 3. All of them being a hit, Chucky made his way into pulp culture, being referenced not only on The Simpsons, but on Saturday Night Live as well, and a whole other places. The whole franchise itself grossed in more than 250 million US dollars. The doll Annabelle was a source of inspiration in the Annabelle series, and was the doll featured in the Conjuring series. Annabelle is a reportedly haunted Raggedy Ann doll. According to Ed and Lorraine Warren, the real-life Annabelle story began in 1970 when a 28-year-old nurse received the Raggedy Ann doll as a birthday gift from her mom. She put the rag doll on her bed and began to notice it changing positions. A leg would be crossed or the doll would be lying on its side. Then the girl and her roommate began to find parchment paper on the floor with written messages such as, Help me, help us. They had no parchment paper in the house. The doll began appearing in different rooms and at one point appeared to be leaking blood. Then one day, a male friend was taking a nap and woke up with the doll staring at him and he felt like he was being strangled. There were deep scratch wounds on his upper body. The girls at first thought maybe an intruder was moving the doll around and leaving notes. When they ruled that out, according to the occult museum's website, not knowing where to turn, they contacted a medium and a seance was held. The girls were introduced to the spirit of Annabelle Higgins, said to be a young girl that resided on the property before the apartments were built and died there at age 7. According to this website, the spirit related to the medium that she felt comfort with the two roommates in the apartment and wanted to stay with them and be loved. The roommates gave Annabelle permission to inhabit the doll but things got worse. The Warrens took an interest in the case and contacted the women. 
they came to the immediate conclusion that the doll itself was not in fact possessed, but manipulated by an inhuman presence. According to the Warren's website, which goes on to say, Truly the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess the human host. The Warrens took the doll, and Ed Warren told his wife that they should probably avoid the highway because it was going to be a rough ride home. And man, he was right. At some point, he actually had to sprinkle the Annabelle doll with holy water to calm it down. The doll is being kept in a glass box at the Warrens Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut. And the doll was also described in Gerald Brittle's 2002 biography of Ed and Lorraine Warren called The Demonologist. Robert, on the other hand, can best be described as a compelling young man that likes to draw you in. Robert is a one-of-a-kind handmade by the Steiff Company in Germany around the turn of the century. Standing about 40 inches tall and stuffed with wood wool known as Excelsior, he is dressed in a sailor suit and once bore painted features not unlike those of a jester. His unusual size indicates he may have been fashioned in the image of his constant companion, a boy named Robert Eugene Otto. Gene and Robert were best friends growing up. And legend speculates voodoo played a part in Robert's formative years, while interviews with those close to the Otto family indicate a great deal of emotional energy was placed upon the doll during Eugene's lifetime. It is said that young Gene would shift blame whenever he misbehaved as a child, pointing to the doll, saying, I didn't do it. Robert did it. Gene went on to become a prominent artist. He designed the gallery at the Fort East Martello Museum and had plans to make his own home a museum, complete with a wax imprint of the artist's hands as a focal point. Though this dream was never realized, his home became known as the Artist House, and the stories of the doll's strange behavior became commonplace with those who encountered him, after Gene's death in 1974. Tenants heard footsteps in the attic room above them, and a plumber heard giggling and turned to find the doll had moved across the room on his own. Myrtle Reuter purchased the home in 1974. She became Robert's companion and kept him while she moved to the Von Fister Street six years later. In 1994, she donated Robert to the Fort East Martello Museum claiming he moved around her house on his own and was haunted. Myrtle died a few months later, but Robert still remains active. Museum staff noticed a shift of energies at the East Forest Martello Museum, and though Robert was not initially on display, he started receiving visitors as word spread about his new residence. Once he was put on exhibit, cameras and electronic devices malfunctioned in his presence, and soon letters began arriving addressed to the doll offering apologies for disrespectful behavior or asking for forgiveness, especially for taking his photos. Letters continue to arrive daily. Ghost hunters, TV shows, skeptics, psychics, and believers all visit Robert on a regular basis to witness at first hand the strange stories they have heard. So is Robert cursed by voodoo, or is he thriving on the energy that was placed upon him? Is he a misunderstood doll, maybe just with a playful spirit? Or perhaps just a doll joined by the spirit of his lifelong companion? Our dear friend Jessica Crutell from Mystic Mitten Paranormal in Detroit has actually met Robert the doll. 
Here's Jessica telling us about her visit with him. Three, four years, no, it would have been four or five years ago um, that I went. And um, it's at the uh, East Fort Mortello, um, which is in Key West in Florida. It is kind of difficult to get to. You think of Key West and you think that it's quite small, but we almost missed our cruise ship because I wanted to go see Robert the Golf. <laughs> so, little fun fact, it is much farther away than you would anticipate. And how they had it set up was really interesting. So you walk in and um, and you, you pay or whatever, and you go and you're exploring this really awesome old historic fort. But there's this one room that's like you turn a corner and there's, there's Robert the doll and his beautiful showcase and the lights are beaming on him like he's a godsend from, from <laughs> above. And I love Robert the doll. I love haunted dolls. They're an obsession of mine, so I'm a huge fan. And he's just lit, like, all angelic and beautiful. And, like, you instantly go to take a picture. Like, you just immediately, like, your human social media, modern 2018 instinct, like, well, this, how long? 2015 instinct, you just whip out your phone to take that picture. And then, like, after you snap that photo, then you're like, ah, shoot. Like, you're like, oh, and here's all the signs. Like You didn't ask. Make sure you ask him first or you're going to be cursed. And there's all these letters from people that are like asking for his forgiveness um, and just like saying like, you know, like, like, oh, my house burned down or I like lost my job or my wife divorced me. Like all these horrible things that happen to people after they just turned this corner and snapped that photo. But it was just how he had it set up, like really got me though, because like you immediately, you come around this corner, it's just beautiful, picture perfect, ready to go. And you just immediately <laughs> want to whip your phone out. So, um, so it was really cool though, and so my, it's kind of kind of a dirty trick. It is, yeah. I kind <laughs> of felt that way, and um, my, my friend who went with me, she took a picture too, but she um, she wrote a letter and she sent it in, and then so her letters hung up on those walls now. But um, I don't know if it was just because Robert understood that I liked him and I thought he was cool, that he was nice to me, knock on wood. Uh, but uh, I haven't needed to write a letter or you apology. You didn't ask permission? I didn't. I still, I took a picture the second I saw him. I didn't know this. Yeah. This is like breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> That's like I did not ask permission. But like they have, they <laughs> have little tiny mini Robert the Doll replicas that they sell for like $30 and like they hook, line, and sinkered me right on into that. <laughs> and it comes with a little rocking chair and his little scary, like, his little scary lion is scarier than Robert. That little thing is, that, that's what gets me. Yeah, well, the it's, it's creepy. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's a little creepy thing. He comes with that. So, like, I, I have my Robert the Doll doll, and I bought, like, a postcard that said Robert did it. And so I'm not sure if he just, like, knew that him and I were, like, totally connected and, like, I get him. And I understand <laughs> him on that level, and that's why he's nice to me. I don't know. But I didn't ask for his permission. So now it's going to turn around and bite me in the butt and going to, like, lose my job tomorrow or get into a car accident or something. <laughs> but... All right. Well, just, just so we put <laughs> it out there, it's not my fault. Dolls are not the only objects that can be connected into the afterlife. Some of you may have heard of a certain painting named The Anguished Man. The story of what the family has gone through with this painting is very interesting. Sean Robinson inherited a painting from his grandmother. The painting is titled The Anguished Man and has been stored in his grandmother's attic for over 25 years. On face value, The painting was an unwanted gift that his grandmother had received from a friend, and yet his grandmother had insisted that the painting was evil. 
She felt it was best kept the painting locked in storage. But nevertheless, Sean, downing the supernatural and paranormal activities, claimed the painting shortly after his grandmother's death. Sean viewed the painting as an oddity, a mere conversation piece. It's easy to see why Sean viewed the painting as a curiosity. His grandmother had told him stories about the painting when he was younger. She recalled that the artist had committed suicide after the painting was completed, and she also noticed that the artist had mixed his own blood into the oil paint. Additionally, she told Sean about her sightings of a dark ghostly figure in the house, and claimed that the painting was the source of strange noises, such as the sound of a man crying. The painting was clearly more than just a conversation piece, in her opinion. A visitation from beyond started shortly after Sean Robinson brought the anguished man into his home. Sean and his wife started to see a dark figure of a man within their home, and sightings of the entity progressed in addition to the sounds of a man crying and other strange noises. Needless to say, Sean Robinson, who once doubted the stories about supernatural and paranormal activity, now believes that the information provided by his grandmother was absolutely correct. He is convinced that the painting is haunted by an evil entity. Concerned that the alleged haunting, Sean Robinson has stated that he's heard crying coming from the corner of his bedroom. They started to see the dark figure standing at the bottom of the bed, and he just apparently stares at them. It seems to be a middle-aged man, but his features are not very clear, and his wife was so frightened that she refused to stay under the same roof as the painting. Mirrors have a long reputation of connecting worlds of the living and the dead. The one sitting in the Myrtles Plantation is no different. That mirror is over 200 years old and has accrued a number of tales of paranormal activity during its times on the walls at the plantation. According to the story, the troubles that led to the haunting at the Myrtles began in 1817 when Sarah Matilda married Clark Woodruff. Sarah Matilda had given birth to two daughters and was carrying a third child when an event took place that still haunts the Myrtles today. Woodruff had a reputation in the region for his integrity with men and with the law, but was also known for being very promiscuous. While his wife was pregnant with their third child, he started an intimate relationship with one of his slaves. This particular girl, whose name was Chloe, was a household servant who, while she hated being forced to give in to Woodruff's sexual demands, realized that if she didn't comply, she could be sent to work in the fields, which was the most brutal of the slaves' work. Eventually, Woodruff tired of Chloe and chose another girl to force himself on. Chloe feared the worst, sure that she was going to be sent to the fields. So she began eavesdropping on the Woodruff's family's private conversations dreading hearing the mention of her name. One day, the judge caught her at this and ordered that one of her ears be cut off to teach her a lesson and to put her in her place. After that time, she always wore a green turban around her head to hide the ugly scar that the knife had left behind. What actually happened next is still unclear. Some claim that what occurred was done so that the family would just get sick and then Chloe could nurse them back to health to earn the judge's gratitude. 
In this way, she would be safe from ever being sent to the fields. Other people say that her motives were not so pure, and what she did was for one reason only. Revenge. For whatever reason, Chloe put a small amount of poison into a birthday cake that was made in honor of the Woodruff's oldest daughter. Mixed in with the flour and sugar was a handful of crushed oleander flowers. The two children, and Sarah, each had slices of the poison caked, but Woodruff refused to eat any of it. Before the end of the day, all of them were very sick. Chloe patiently attended to their needs, never realizing, if it was an accident, that she had given them too much poison, and in a matter of hours, all three of them were dead. The other slaves, perhaps afraid that their owner would punish them also, dragged Chloe from her room and hung her in a nearby tree. Her body was later cut down, weighted with rocks, and thrown into the river. Woodruff closed off the children's dining room where the party was held and never allowed it to be used again as long as he lived. Tragically, his life was cut short a few years later by a murderer. And to this day, the room where the children were poisoned has never been used for dining. It is called the game room today. The mirror located in the house supposedly holds the spirits of Sarah Woodruff and her two children. And according to the custom, mirrors were covered after a death, but the legend says that after the poisoning of the Woodruffs, this particular mirror was overlooked. So the uncovered mirror reportedly trapped the spirits of Sarah and her children, who are occasionally seen in it, or leave handprints on the mirror. Our next object is another painting. It's often referred to as the haunted eBay painting. The Hands Resist Him was found on the side of an old brewery by a couple in California. They put the painting up for auction on eBay in February of 2000, claiming that the characters in the painting sometimes move on their own and occasionally even escape the boundaries of the painting itself. Eventually, it did sell for a whopping $1,025 because some people apparently really like to decorate their homes with cursed paintings. There's no denying that the piece, which features a young boy and a doll-like girl standing in front of a window and a sea of disembodied hands, is a little on the creepy side. The work of artist Bill Stoneham. It was based off a photograph his parents took of him and a neighbor when they were children. He himself was rather surprised when he heard about the stories that were attached to his piece. Says Stoneham about his painting symbolism, quote, There are memories, echoes of all the life within a place. The hands are the other lives. The glass door, that thin veil between waking and dreaming. The girl doll is the imagined companion or guide through this realm. Unquote. He painted some sequels, by the way three of them. You know, just in case you're interested in owning a complete set. Speaking of eBay and Amazon, did you know that they have a whole assortment of haunted objects that you can buy now? The haunted eBay listings include many ordinary objects, like feathers, coins, pebbles, or even pieces of wood. They're often said to be enchanted, for luck or for fortune, or good or ill. And you'll be able to feel the vibrational energy from your coin. It must be in a positive environment 
or a positive attitude for it to work. Advised one seller, please note this chip is for money luck only, not general good fortune or finding love, which are completely different spells. Another one warned that you can even find Dybbuk boxes that can be purchased online at the right price, plus shipping. Many listings include disclaimers about the object's supernatural attributes as, quote, required per eBay policy on the sale of paranormal items. This is the sale of tangible items only, and there is no promise of a spirit attached, unquote. So eBay is obviously taking this very seriously. But regardless of where you get your objects, always be aware of the history of the item before you buy it. The great deal on that antique vase may just be found moving around your house some night because the spirit of the old lady that died felt a special connection to it for her flowers and really hates where you put it. Thanks to all of you for tuning in for tonight's episode, and thanks again for your support over our first year. It is so great to have your support for our show, and we're glad you're enjoying it. Please take a minute and give us five stars on Pandora, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever directory you listen to us on. And also take a few minutes to give us a review. We want to hear your feedback to help make our show better. And remember, if you like the show, tell a friend. We can be found on any podcast directory or platform search. My name is Brandon, and you've been listening to the best place to bring our paranormal teams a little closer together, the Parity Unity Podcast. <laughs>